Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another 13 Pro Am on tour. Yes, I'm still touring the length and breadth of the British Isles virtually, of course. Yes, I'm delighted that I've got the opportunity to uh, call in at one of the NCL's premier clubs, Siddle, and um, I'm in the company of none other than Johnny Lawless. How are you doing, Johnny? You okay? I'm fine, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having us on. So I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Johnny Lawless, uh, committee member, honorary vice president, ex-player, ex-coach at various age groups. You're the perfect person to to maybe talk about um, Siddle's history. But before we get into all that, just tell us about the Siddle Club, the area that it represents and what it's like around that area. Yeah, it's it's just outside of the town centre of Halifax. Um, I personally live about about a mile and a half, two miles away from Siddle, a place called South Arham. Uh, We have a lot of people come from all over Halifax to come to Siddle, especially over the last... 10, 15 years because we've had such a successful teams on the field retracting from various areas. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great area full of, you know, a lot of local characters who have uh, been from club through thick and thin. But as old club is about now being knocked down, which was which was further on road, but uh, we've, we've got a new set up, relatively new, the last 10 years, where we're based at pitch side. So a lot of changes in the last few years then? Definitely. Um, you know, I've seen, I've probably been at the, at the club at the right time to see the biggest changes over the last uh, 20 years. Um, it's been really pleasing to see because it's, it's brought a lot of success to the club. And uh, in some respects where rubber League's kind of dying in some areas, we've been really prosperous and really um, increased numbers year on year. I know the last time I spoke to somebody from the club, you've got something like 250 youngsters registered. I mean, that is some going, isn't it? I think he's 300, I think he's on the shoulders there. Uh, and I think we're 350, including all the open age and, and masters. Yeah, so it's, it's a tremendous achievement. And when we when we had his clubhouse built about 11, 12 years ago, we thought it would be more than big enough and we, we've outgrown it relatively quickly, uh, which which is a really good thing for not just us, but for sport as well. Uh, so so where did the Siddle story start? You know, when was the club set up? Uh, it's been going roughly about 115 years. Uh, and it, it played at various locations uh, around the Siddle area. He had, he had no real home. Um, I'm not sure what year, but um, a committee member called Graham Bradley, his father purchased the old clubhouse, which we were 
playing there up till about 15 years ago, which was quite a, a trek round from, from where we are now, a walk-on field. Away teams used to hate it. We have a small clubhouse, pokey changing rooms, especially away to the team. Uh, but it was kind of, we, we love the place, but we did outgrow it quite quickly. Uh, and now, now we're based just on the road, on, on, like I say, on pitch side. And the place where we actually play was the, um, up, up until about 1920, it was a zoo for a number of years. It was the Alipac Zoo, yeah, for about seven years. Not very successful because there's lots of stories there. Elephants and bears escaping and running down Mate Street and Siddle at some point. About half of them ended up in the pack at Halifax at some point then. <laughs> I think some of them are still going in clubhouse, mate. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's got a lot of history there, especially with Halifax Zoo and a tie, but we've made it our home and uh, I know we've got a long term, uh, like an 100 year lease there, so we're there for, for the near future anyway. Out of interest, because I know you, Yorkshire folk, you like uh, you like your nicknames, you know, so I've heard Normanton's the graveyard and, um, you know, I. I I can't recall what Lock Lane called their place. So have you called it the zoo since you've gone there? No, no. It's something I, I always thought we could link somewhere with zoo. Um, we haven't done it. It's just playing old Chevin Edge, which is, which has always been that to us. It's, uh, that's the kind of the area. There's some streets around that called Chevin Edge, Chevin Edge Crescent and stuff. And it's just known as Chevin Edge, but it would be like to be called zoo, yeah. And, I, and uh, I've never played a graveyard, but I've heard quite a little bit about it. It's quite a daunting place, so... Maybe we could bring that something like that in further outline. Um, you talked as well about um, you know how well the club is set up with all the age groups and everything like that. Um, is that what funds this or, or creates the the backdrop to to being a perennial challenger and being always there or thereabouts? Come on, as time. Yeah, I think we really value this junior setup. Uh, we see that progression right through from being a kid and staying with club and keep feeding the open age to keep that success going on, on the field. Uh, it's been really important and uh, it's been a massive part of where we've got to. And the, uh, the junior set we just set with one team many years ago. I think we are dealing with Lewis, a, a big character at club who set up and got an under-13s going and it, and it just grew from there. But the, the value we get out of the junior setup is, is immense for the club, you know, both keeping it going financially and attracting talent and, uh, keeping you know progress going for open age teams, which has been fantastic. So with talent coming through, it's great to see him coming through. You see him at seven year old, and to go right through and then actually break into open age or going and sign pro, etc. It's just brilliant to see. Uh, and you mentioned about signing pro. You were one of those guys that came all the way through the system and ended up going pro. But um, th- there's been a, a huge number of players that have come through that Siddle system, hasn't there? Oh, there's, there's been lots and lots over the years. Um, you know, some, some fantastic players, like Luke Robinson, uh, Siddle lad, youngest player to sign for Wigan at 12-year-old. Uh, currently, we've got Cruz Lehman at Leeds, uh, Tom Allroyd at Leeds, uh, Liam Finn still playing, a great Siddle lad. Scott Griggs, Niall Evolds, I've wrote him down here, I'm looking in front of me. Zach McComb, Joe Martin, Dewsbury, Riley Dean at Warrington, Oliver Waite, Halifax, Amir Borough Wigan and... Uh, then there'd be a few I've missed there as well, but uh, one guy in particular who's, who's killing it, Wigan at the moment, is Morgan Smithies. A uh, great set of lad. And ex-players, like I said, has been Mick Scott, fantastic player, was Mickey, was before my before Super League era, uh, part of the successful Halifax team in the 80s and, and Wigan team. So, yeah, he's it's, produced it's a lot of players over the years. Um, long may that continue, but we do have a, a real proud history that when they, when they do stop playing pro, they do come back and help out with coaching or even so as they're actually still playing as some players are doing now they come back 
help out with kids, they help out with coaches there, which, which is great. I want to ask a little bit about that because quite often you do hear that drop off, don't you? You know, players come out of the, the professional game, they've been treated as a piece of meat forever long that pro career has lasted, and the love has kind of like gone. So, how how have Siddle been able to almost offer that olive branch out and say to people, come and get involved again? Because I think that's an interesting one that for w- would be useful for all clubs to, to sort of like. Yeah, um, I've seen of. this. I've seen this a couple of times before I went to the pro side of it. Uh, we had a, a team come down a couple of years ago, and I knew this guy. I won't mention club, and he says, you know, other teams, local teams, talk about your coaches and how you keep them there, and players come back. And I says, it's not a secret. They just always invite back to the club, and they want to always give a little bit back. And he went away to his amateur club, and he started that up, and he got his players back involved in it. I've seen the success over the last two years bringing that in over that club, and it works. Now, lads who've gone on and played pro, they've never ever left the club. Um, if you go down to Siddle on a when, it, when we get back to some normality after after lockdown, when we when you go down to Siddle on a Saturday or a Sunday or a game day or a kids' day, you're guaranteed to see Morgan Smithies, Zach helping out. Just you know, they don't need to be asked; they're there anyway. So, in some respects, although they go and sign pro, they never actually leave the club. They're always either there on tap. They're always invited to social dues. Uh, so we're very proud of the pros what go on and we try and support them as much as we can um, and I think they always feel part of club not as a case of I leave Siddle I sign for so-and-so then I might come back to Siddle they always seem to be involved in club as, as the pro career goes along as well that's probably that's probably fed back in hasn't it you know with the, the success that the club has continually enjoyed I, I think absolutely I think it's been uh, critical to a success and it's sad I can remember you know going back uh, probably early, mid-90s, we'd always been recognised as a pub team. Um, and I, uh, There's been a lot of good coaches over here, but Andy Hancock, an ex-pro himself at Halifax, come down, took the coaching reins, and it took him from a pub team into a very serious, you know, people feared us. And uh, we were still playing Pennine League then. And I remember going down to support when I was playing pro, when I was playing at Halifax at the time. <clears throat> and St. Pat's come down, and they were a big amateur team at the time, one of the biggest in country. And they come down to them, they didn't know what to expect. And they were in pokey changing rooms and with that pub team were playing. And, and Siddle just outplayed them. And they were just the first of a very big team to come down and do that. So, yeah, the coach who have come back, he's just set this up from a long time ago. And we're, we're still reaping that success. And it's just important we just keep it going. Uh, I love to hear about sporting dynasties. And in a, in 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 the same sort of regard as you can maybe look at, at the likes of Wigan at pro level, you know, the likes of the likes of Siddle, the likes of Wathbrow, teams like that, they've always been there or thereabouts, haven't they, since they've got in the yeah. NCL Premier Division? Yeah, yeah, there's some, there's some great clubs in the NCL. Um, I mentioned St. Pat's, a really historic club. And just sticking on St. Pat's a second, I remember going there as a, playing for under 16s and we're playing like a national competition at first of its kind. And I played away at St. Pat's and I was one of many teams that had gone there exactly the same feeling. You walked into St. Pat's and all around the clubhouse on wall-to-wall were just ex-players' shirts and you went around reading these big names like Joe Lyon and uh, Andy Gregg and stuff like that and it just made you go, wow, oh, it planted a seed. And I think that's very much so what we're doing now at Siddle. We're planting seeds to them kids coming through. If you walk in that clubhouse now, you'll see all the history of the, the club on the wall and the staircase as you, as you go, which has just been a a great thing done recently by Paul Lewis to celebrate his uh, history from all the early floors there. So kids are getting these seeds planted and they're seeing these successful teams on 
on the field and it's creating, you know, planting that seed for them to play for us in future, which is important. And there's some, let's say the NCL is full of great clubs. Westall, when, when I took over coaching in um, 2003, Westall were, were pretty much un- unbeatable. They were, they were a fantastic team. And we set them in our sights to try and beat them. We did over a couple of years and we've got to a stage where, you know, we're seen as an elite club, but it, it wasn't always the case. And it's, it's a lot of hard work what's gone into it. It's no great secret, really, apart from a lot of hard work. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, uh, first, first winning that NCL title in 2002-2003, following up in three and four, uh, and again in 2008-2009, I get the feeling that's that's one great side that stuck together and there's, there wasn't a lot of uh, personnel changes at the time. Uh, I, we've actually had this conversation. I think uh, I would coach when we first won it, uh, and then I retired playing at Halifax, and I played in it the year after. And we had a lot of good, lot of new so young kids coming through, and the older end were a really good mixture, and a couple of ex pros. You know, players like Liam Walsh, what we'd attracted from Ovenden, a great player, Liam and, and Jamie Wrigley. Pulled a player called Jody Moran. We had a nucleus of kids coming through. One of them, Nick Smith, Gareth Gareth Wilson, uh, uh, Anthony Sawyer, good young lads coming through. And then when we had dropped off a couple of years later, them young lads brought some had gone old and we retired and there were some more young lads coming through. I don't think you ever get that one ageing team, apart from probably recently, we, we, we had a lot of players retire at the same time. There's always that good nucleus, uh, older heads, good lads, young, good young lads coming through. We've always been lucky to be able to do that. But you do see other teams where they've been a great team for a long time and then they suddenly just seem to drop off or drop down a few divisions. But I think it's we've been lucky. We have always had that. And that comes back to his juniors, you know, having juniors coming through all the time and feeding every age group from sevens right through to eighteens. You never have like a gap in years of, of kids coming through. Uh, and as, as daft as it sounds, are you now seeing those the, those uh, lads that you played with bringing their sons down to the yeah. club and, and, and seeing yeah, the next it. generation of the... Because it is, it is generational, isn't it, with rugby league players? Yeah. So they're, they're the young lads who are playing that team and now have got lads who they're bringing down and uh, they've even got them now, it's called the Siddle Tykes, so this got started about probably eight, nine years ago, maybe longer, maybe ten years ago. In summer, Friday nights, you're just getting kids doing little games and passing from age of three to six-year-old, and we're getting like 50 kids turning out. So you're seeing them old, old players bring those kids down, getting involved in rugby league. Then they're having to stick their hand up to coach under sevens, which is a bit of a shock to them because nothing gone, nothing prepares you to coach under sevens. <laughs> Believe me, Wayne Bennett would struggle to coach under seven. <laughs> it's bloody hard work. But yeah, it's that it's that cycle going again. The ex-players who kept involved in club when they finished playing, now our kids and they bring them down. It's just it's just feeding that again. So yeah, it's great to see the ex-players and bringing the kids down because they know what experience they're going to get down there. And not just Cyril in rugby league in general. It's a great game to be involved in. The stuff the kids get out of it, you know, mentally and physically, it's fantastic sport. I also want to sort of ask you, uh, how did your role of honorary vice president come along? Um, Who appointed you to that? It, it, it sounds you? a bit more glo- uh, glamorous. It does it sound glamorous. This actually, I've got I to think, be honest. I don't know exactly. So, so I think I forget where I, play. I think I played at Sheffield Eagles at the time, and uh, I think club was skin. <laughs> We were trying to get, get somebody into the club, and one of it, one of what they said is, "Oh, he can be an honorary vice president if you give." I think we're four hundred, five hundred quid at the time. So I've put me five hundred quid, and I've just been given that title ever since. And I don't think nobody, nobody dare say to take it off me. So I'll be five hundred quid back. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, <laughs> um, as you were saying at the, at the top of the show, you know, you, you've sort of seen it all through, you know, coaching that under sevens right the way through to, uh, to, to open edge. Um, you mentioned that it's difficult controlling under sevens. Just how difficult is it? <laughs> They've no respect for you, because and, and, and rightly so as well. They don't care. You, you know, I see Luke Robinson. They don't care. He's played at Wembley or played for England or gone on tour. It's irrelevant to them. They just want to mess about and play with a ball. So their attention spans very little, and uh, it's just our keeping their attention. I think it tests every player, and I always have a wry smile to find out who next year's under seven coaches. <laughs> and it's normally some ex-player along line, and I just laugh to myself but it's great because you know recently under seven coach has been Luke Robinson Scott Griggs uh, still still playing Super League at the time Luke was still playing at the time um, and their next players come down and it, it's a shock to their system but it's a pleasant shock but you know it's hard work it is I'm guessing it kind of prepares them a little bit because you know they, they've both gone on and they're, they're doing stuff in, in pro coaching now aren't they yeah uh, and I do think Scott and and uh, local will be fantastic coaches eventually. And Liam Finn, uh, Liam actually doesn't live local anymore. Uh, his lad plays over, over Wakefield, where I think he plays for Georgia Moore. But I think uh, them kids like that, they've had so much good coaching over here at professional level, and they've got a great attitude. And I think they'll be top coaches at some point. Um, I want to come back to when you got to join the committee. Was you kind of like press ganged into it after your coaching, or was there more of a, a progressive story to that? Uh, no, I think uh, I'd stop, I've stopped coaching, so I want to do some uh, being on committee. Was just a thing what uh, I want to do, and the, the committee's got so strong over the last few years now that I have to do quite minimal in that really. So I just kind of attend and offer suggestions at some point. We've got some really strong committee members from a long time at club. Uh, we're led very, uh, very well by his uh, top top on show, Eddie Golden Smith, the president, uh, who's been there for for a hell of a long time, support club through thick and thin, in worst financial times. He's always there to help out and Graham Bradley, uh, people like that. Yeah, so we've got a really strong committee. Uh, Terry Rosie's joined there. There's Louise and Joe do a lot of hard work, and Paul Hurst is a great member and. We've now got child welfare officers as well involved, which is really important as well nowadays, making sure that everything's run right for kids and they're all in a safe environment at the time. So I've seen club expanding a lot of ways like that. A lot of positives are coming out where what Rugby League have brought into the game over the last you know, 10 years, which is for the, for the child safety side, which has been great. I do say that the way that a lot of amateur clubs run their committees is probably... Uh, you know what I'm going to actually say it I'm going to put it out there it's better than professional clubs because you get more professional people from different backgrounds don't you coming together yeah. and giving yeah. giving the uh, two penneth and really coming together because it's all for the love of the sport in the end yeah absolutely I think uh, we've had to adjust and we're all just sticking his hands up as volunteers I have been a, I have seen other professional clubs how they run you know and I think we do run ourselves better, a lot better than that uh, we had Anthony Murray being a Cummins coach. He's, he's at uh, North Wales at the moment, coaching there. And Muzzy coming down because we, we were in between coaches and he come in uh, hopefully for a year, but he didn't last a year because he got, he, got he got signed back to pro. But he says, when he left, he says, this is one of the best run clubs I've been involved with. So it's, that's a really pound back to us, you know, to make sure we are doing stuff right and we create the right environment and we're very supportive to us coaches because as coaches are... We've got his junior kids playing, which is a really big ethos of club, but 
as junior coaches and open age coaches are fantastic people. All put their hand up and put a lot of time in, and it's, it's a real tough job, and they do a great job. Very much so, and I'm, I'm really enthused, you know, by everything that you've you've said. And of course, we talked about the uh, the times when Siddles lifted the NCL trophy, but um, were there few greater days than the first ever game that Toronto Wolfpack plays? It's played at Shivan Edge, and you know, Siddle are brilliant. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> It, it was an amazing day. It was, it was enjoyable from start to finish. It was a fantastic day. The, the, the club got so much out of it. Uh, we got we, people come from all over who've never been to Chevenets before because they want to be part of the, the first game Toronto ever played. Um, probably want to see Siddle get a bit of a beating as well, some of them probably. And it won't get happen. You know, I can remember turning up we, and the weather was as atrocious as, as most people know. It was a mud bath. I can remember them all coming, turning up and coming off coach, walking on field and thinking, surely it can't be on. And all of a sudden I was thinking, please don't call it off. Please don't call it off. Because it was going to be a great leveller. And it was. Um, and we saw a fantastic display from Cyril. Um, but credit to Toronto. Uh, they come over here. Paul Roller with coach. I know Paul from from years back. And um, Brian Noble involved with them. And they were so gracious after the game. They paid great credit to us and give us a lot of souvenirs and wishes as well. They, they all stayed behind for quite a long time. Um, so it was a good day for everyone. Um, in some respects, it was a right result. Toronto got the first game and they got a win. Sydney did themselves proud on quite a lot of people watching it on, on uh, streaming, which were great. Um, so it was a good day for all around. We still talk about it, uh, but there were no injuries like that. So it was a great day for everybody. Fantastic advert for the game. Uh, and arguably, you did better than a lot of the pro sides against uh, Toronto that season. They've just got they've just gone from strength to strength since, haven't they? Yeah, there was, there was that time in game where could we win this? You know, and we're always in with a shout, and uh, it wants to be. But like I say, players that they got that experience. The young lads playing against Fui Fui Moi Moi, um, and before we got sent off that game, I don't know if you remember an eye tackle uh, in nearly close line one of our players, and there's a great photo going on somewhere. When he comes in, change rooms after he's got his top off and he's ripped, and lads are having a beer with him. You know, it was just a great atmosphere. We were fantastic, fantastic game. Yeah, I'd love to have him down there again sometime. Who knows? It could happen. I mean, the, tra- the training not far away in Rochdale, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. I'm surprised they've not been on the phone yet. You know, let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> I don't think they're missing him yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just change this uh, tact a, a little bit because, um, you know, I think as well with you, yourself, you you wear a, a few different hats, don't you, uh, with regards to having different roles and different jobs and stuff. Yeah, um, my, my nine-to-five job, I work in construction industry in a fabrication business I've got locally in, in a place called Elland. Um, but I also do mental health. I've went to mental health of it probably a lot into the last five years, but it, it come about from um, losing two friends through Siddle loss through suicide. But Mick Shaw and Matthew Smith, um, which was Matthew was shortly after Terry Newton, and then Mick were eighteen months later. And um, mental health then come on my spectrum and realised I had poor mental health at the time as well. It, it just got me into finding out stuff a little bit about. And with help from Rubble League Cares, I went on a mental health first aid course, and it kind of just set me on a pathway where I am now. Where I go around a, a, what can we call Minds and Matter and we do mental health first aid and mental health awareness. Doing a bit of work for Rubbly Cares. Um, we've got a podcast coming up on Tuesday with Keith Senior and, and Ball Wood. 
and just getting people talking about our city. It's getting players talking about openly, such as Keith and Paul. It just gives that confidence to see whether players might want to do the same. You know, because you know, we know people know a little bit more about mental health than we used to do. Um, getting men to open up and talk about, especially men, because suicide seventy five percent stats are men. Uh, so getting men to open up and talking about it is a real positive thing. Uh, but tragically, we lost two players at Siddle, and uh, we still bear the scars of the loss. And it were, it were a massive impact to the club and um, two great characters. So for me to do what I'm doing, I, I really get a lot out of it, and it's, it's a great thing to be, be involved with. I mean, I, I'm delighted to hear it because I mean, I, I don't mind putting it out there. I've also, you know, had my issues over over the years, last couple of years in particular, with um, sort of uh, having to to pack in a job and realizing that my mental health also needed some attention. So it is great that you know people like yourself are, are going talking about it. It's great that you know more people are going doing stuff uh, and I'm thinking things like Andy's man's clubs out there now isn't it you know yeah. another guy who's from Halifax uh, yeah. and, and that yeah. sort of area as well um, you know so I think the more that we can talk about it the better it is isn't it yeah de- definitely um, it's, it's, it's getting a, an everyday term we're using now and we're talking about it which we want to do because it's you know Obviously, it's just important as physical health, and that's how she judge it. Say, and we've got to look after it. We've got to talk about it. We've got to learn about it and be aware of it. And like I say, tragically, it, it took two of our former players, which we share the club had. Um, but one thing, you know, it's about amateur rugby league that when that happened, there were other amateur rugby league clubs were sending us some nice messages, and the game itself did couldn't do, do it anymore. They were fantastic for us. Um, <clears throat> we've lost other people at a young age through the years as well. Notably, Martin Lewis. Uh, we, we, we cancer. Uh, Matt was a, a really big um, influence on the club, a, a top up and coming coach as well, as a former player. Uh, but the club's always rallied around and helped, it, helped each other out. And uh, more recently, we've lost Nick Smith through motor neuron disease, uh, which, which, you know, I'm, I'm a trustee of the charity. Uh, trustee, as in, I'm the, I only see myself as representing the people of the club on that trustee and doing what we can for the charity going forward. Uh, was that something that was easy to get involved in because of your links with Nick? It was easy to um, do whatever I could do for, for Nick. I, I just said at the time, as long as you think I'm the right person to do that, I'm more than glad to help. If you ever think there's anyone better to come on board, you know, I'd always step down. But, you know, I, I do love the work we do. Uh, we completed this first year last year. Um, when they'd over check a £50,000 to a, a research centre in Sheffield into, into Motor Neuron. Uh, which which were really good, and it, it was good to see his wife Rachel, what he's done for her as well, and have a focus on the charity. Um, we have three major aims, which are to help help with research on neuron disease, and obviously very topical at the moment, especially with Rob Burrow. What's happening, Rob? Uh, we want to support the parents of uh, young uh, the kids, the young kids who lost parents to to neuron disease, which we, which we're putting in place, and um, we want to encourage kids to play rugby league. And uh, we last last two years we've had the Knicks Miss Smudgy Sevens, under sevens, first time they play, they come in, play a little tournament, they all go with a, a ball and a, a smudgy tip sheet, a top ten tip sheet, which mine's actually uh, up there on the wall there. So I do we can all get out of it that even adults, it's not just for kids, so I regularly have a look at it and yeah, so the game, the amateur game is really good at coming together when we get a bit of a tragedy in it and all through people we've we've lost at a young age. They've always been there for us, so which is great. 
Uh, you mentioned the, um, the, the, what, what's happening with, with Rob Burrow and motor neuron disease. Has that sparked any further interest in the, the foundation that you're sort of involved in? Yeah, I think, I think the foundation was um, quick to get in touch with um, Rob Burrow the doors and put on, you know, if there's anything we could help with. And I know some of the stuff Rachel spoke about over the years that um, would have helped her at that time what wasn't there for her. She's tried to help people out and give them advice about recording stuff now cause the, with his voice and stuff like that. Stuff for kids to have, you know, in the future, to have his voice on, on record and stuff like that, which would be great. And so I think we've, we've been there as a charity to help him if needs maybe. I think doing tremendously well themselves as a, as a, as a foundation, how, what, how they're going as well. So it's good. But, you know, I think like myself, when Nick, when Nick got it, I didn't really know much about it. And, you know, through this experience, I know quite a little bit about now, and it's a horrendous disease. It's, it's, it's just somewhat what we need to raise money for and get, get a lot of research, as much research as we can do. Uh, have you got any uh, events that are coming up? You know, I mean, I know, don't get me wrong, at the time we're recording this, we're, we're only just sort of part releasing lockdown towards the middle middle part yeah. of June. Uh, but is there anything that you can sort of say what, what what's in the planning stage? We're hoping to get the smudges, third smudge sevens on up possibly the 5th and 6th of December, obviously, lockdown allowing. And I'm going to try and tie that in with um, a Masters tournament because I know some of the Masters tournaments have been cancelled over summer. And I think it would be good to have the youngest kids who are playing at the level to have the smudge sevens tournament followed by the older fellas, the oldest ones who are still knocking about, which is, which is a great, the Masters is a great uh, concept as well. So to celebrate that for smudgy smudgy day, that that'd be great. So hopefully that'll be down at the fifth or sixth of September. Um we have we have just recently we're just celebrating as a charity actually because I think we just we, we just set on a we've employed somebody to specifically look after motor neuron disease um, patients within the Calderdale area in a full time role, which has never been there before. So we we've funded that, uh, which has been a great thing for charity to to release this last week or so. That is fantastic news. That I mean, that that is sort of like that. That's going above and beyond, isn't it? That that is sort of yeah. the, the the next level, isn't it? That's it. You know, that's stuff like you know, stuff like this we can do. You know, giving the money last year for funding to specific research MD was a great thing, and fifty grand was a great fifty thousand pound was a great target for the first year. And we're always in back of mind. We want to try and fund this, set up a role for a carer to go around looking after people, and that meant a lot to Rachel because that wasn't there. There was nothing there for her when she was going through this. And I think she probably was on call and that could have been. So to get that in place, um, I, I only know yesterday that they've, they've narrowed it down to one person and they've offered it their role yesterday. I think she's accepted. So if, if people look on uh, the foundation website or follow us on Twitter or Facebook, I'm sure the news will come out of it next week or so. I'm wondering as well, you know, because there's um, th- there's getting more and more cases, isn't there, of motor neuron disease that are, are sort of being identified. I can think of one which is affecting um, uh, our Cumbrian clubs at the moment. Um, and I just wonder whether you're open to, you know, people from different parts of the country getting in touch with the foundation. Absolutely. We want, you know, as many people as we can, it would be a great help to us. It's more than merrier. Um, you know, like, like I said, David, before Nick, I very knew very minimal about it. It seems to happen to a lot of people in sport, whether there's a link or not. This is why we need this this funding, you know. Because Nick, Nick, as a player, he, he played over 400 games for Seville. He was known as an absolute warrior and one of the nicest guys off the field. On the field, he played it on the line. He never 
every week at the Wembley sent it off, sending off for high tackles. He was a leader from front. He was totally respected throughout club. He played a lot of rugby, a lot of high impact. And um, we need to know these things and cancel these things out, whether there's a link and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a scientist to be able to say anything like that, but it seems to be more common. And I think we're only going to know more. We're only going to find more and more people as we're going forward. Um, you know, like I say, up, up till Nick and the famous people who've had it, not really much, didn't really think much about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking more and more people and it's in news more and more. You know, we just need to do that research and, and raise as much as we can for it towards it. Thank you ever so much, Johnny. Really appreciated that. So my thanks go to Johnny Lawless for his time. Great to hear all about Siddle and his other interests as well. So uh, if you were wondering about the mental health work that he does, by all means contact www.mindsmatteruk.co.uk and uh, also look up the Nick Smith Foundation doing some sterling work regarding motor neurone disease. That is us just about done and dusted for another edition of 13 Pro-Am on tour. Have I contacted your club yet? Have you been in touch with me? Do you have a story to tell? It could be about your club's history. It could be about what they're doing now or what they've been involved in via lockdown. So contact me on Twitter at Dave Parkinson RL. And the next time, well, you could be sitting exactly where Johnny was and having this conversation. Until then, take care and I'll see you again. Bye-bye. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.